It's time for the number one talk show of Eastern Connecticut and Southern Rhode Island. The Stu Breyer Potpourri Talk Show on 1310 WICH. Now here's Stu Breyer. Always a pleasure to have Patrick McCormick on our program, Director of Health at the Uncas Health District, located at 401 West Thames Street in Norwich. Hi, Patrick. Posted a photo of Leo on a local Facebook. Sorry, Patrick. We just had an interruption. You're on the air. Welcome. Oh, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. I don't know where we begin, but we'll begin with uh, gee whiz. Patrick, we're hearing the word COVID a lot more now. What do you think? We are, yeah, so so I want to uh, start by just re- referencing where we were and where we are now when it comes to COVID. Sure. Um, so, so Connecticut currently has 3.1 hospitalizations per 100,000 people. Um, the highest in the country right now is North Carolina, where they have 10.7. And then the last two weeks, hospitalizations in Connecticut decreased by 12%. So when we talk about the actual numbers, we went from 127 people two weeks ago to 111 people this week that are hospitalized. So to put that in perspective, back in April of 2020, we had 1,972 people hospitalized in Connecticut was was our peak number. Um, so certainly we're in a whole different place than we were uh, years ago. Um, and that's um, something that we're, we're really happy um, about um, and pleased to see that the numbers haven't um, dramatically changed. Um, but we we attribute that to a number of things. You know, people have gotten sick. They've had some immunity. Um, people have gotten vaccinated. Um, there's boosters that are available. I can certainly talk about the booster that's on its way. Um, but there's been a lot that's been done um, to contribute to that. And, you know, people still are aware of, you know, basic things like hand washing and um, distancing if they're sick. Um, so, again, you know, it's reminding folks the basics. You know, if you don't feel well, then, you know, try to not get other people sick by staying home if you're not feeling well. Um, don't go to school when you're sick. Don't go to work when you're sick. Um, there's a lot of alternatives that we didn't used to have um, in terms of uh, virtual work and things like that. Um, and certainly, you know, we want to continue to promote those safe practices. Um, so as far as the variant goes, um, the good news is that uh, we finally have some data around this new variant that we keep talking about. Um, and they, they are continuing to say that while they've been alarmed about the variant, um, some of the studies are now showing that antibodies from the previous infections and vaccinations are capable of neutralizing the variant. And that's that BA2.86. Um, so that, that's a positive. You know, the fears that we had are not necessarily going to be as concerning as we thought. Um, and then the upcoming COVID-19 booster is expected to be available in the U.S. as early as next week. Um, they're saying potentially as early as the 13th of September. Um, and that should protect against severe disease and death like we've, we've been um, you know, telling folks for, for a number of years So there's still, uh, there's still evidence, Patrick, that, that from everything you, you know, that that's the case, that even if you get it, it'll be probably a milder case if you have the vaccination. Because we've heard some negative things about the vaccination, certainly. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's really the goal. And, I, you know, I know people, you know, have always said the same thing about flu shots is, you know, well, what if it doesn't completely protect you? What's the point of getting it? And, you know, what we're trying to do is have, um, you know, symptoms that would make you very sick be, um, uh, you know, less concerning, things that would keep you out of the hospital. If you end up um, not feeling well, we don't want you to end up in ICU. So, um, that's the that's the way we're looking at it is we're trying to minimize the impact on the individual 
um, and then hopefully um, folks will, will recover quickly or maybe not even know that they're sick at all. Um, we do want folks to know that before we, as Duncan's Health District, can administer the new booster, um, we have to get standing physician orders. Um, so that means that we may not be able to administer it until about mid-October. Um, so we just ask people to be patient with, patient with us when we try to um, you know, get ramped up in terms of being able to provide the booster to them. Um, the booster shot um, can be provided to folks uh, at the same time as a flu shot. Um, so if you end up coming to us or you go to a doctor and you're looking for a flu shot and they have the booster available, um, that, that should be safe and effective. Um, it's recommended that you wait to get the updated booster shot to maximize the protection in the fall and winter. So um, if it's offered to you sooner um, to get a booster, then you might want to just wait and get that updated booster shot shortly when it's available. Um, and finally, if you recently had COVID, uh, we get a lot of those questions as I had it, should I get the vaccine? Um, you can consider delaying your vaccine by three months from when you got your symptoms or when you had your symptoms started um, or when you have a positive test. Um, so if you had a positive test within the last couple of weeks, um, then you may want to wait until, you know, come December uh, to get that booster shot. And that way you'll have some immunity already. And then when the immunity wanes, then you get your booster. Patrick, am I correct? But I've gotten information that... Uh Certainly, I've heard and read information that this current booster that's coming is uh, covers uh, a lot of different variants of COVID. Is that yeah, correct? Yeah, so they talk about yeah, it's it's formulated to target this XBB point one point five, um, which is an Omicron subvariant. Um, it's a what they call a monovalent vaccine, meaning it only targets one strain. Um, the previous bivalent booster was formulated for the original strain and then the BA4 and BA5. Um, again, you know, we have some immunity to some of it already. Um, what they're doing is trying to target what we don't um, and build that additional immunity. Um, so, you know, I, I'm as basic as anyone in terms of this information, and I always go to my nurse, Sue, when I have additional questions. Mm -hmm. um, I think the message I just want to get out to people is if you have questions about the vaccine, as always, talk to your physician, and they can give you the information that's specific to you. Um, and if you're interested in getting the vaccine, we want to remind you that, um, you know, the purpose of it is really to make sure that we minimize the illness. And hopefully, if folks do happen to be ill, um, that it will be a, a mild case, and they may not even know other than just a, a typical symptoms that you would have with a cold. Or sometimes a cold can be nasty. I know. So uh, we've 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 already seen that impact from kids going back to school oh, at yeah. the start of the year. Um, you know, as you know, what ends up happening is uh, you know people are participating in a lot of things at this time of year. Um, so you may not be getting the rest that you were getting. Um, you know, you're starting to see kids back in sports programs, and um, you know they're just having those longer days. Um, so that, you know, obviously you're not sleeping as well, you're not eating the way you were, you're you know, not getting the rest that you need, and you start to, to feel sick on top of it. Um, it's just a bad combination. So um, even within my own household now, the, the noses are getting a little bit runny, and um, people just aren't feeling as great as they used to. Um, so again, you know, if you need to, definitely talk to your physician. But, you know, it is the season for allergies and cold. Which is interesting because uh, we are programmed now automatically, whether we have uh, a cough or a cold or your nose is itchy right away, you think, uh-oh, COVID. Um, right. When do you jump and get the test? I mean, we've had these things for years and years and years, but now automatically the word COVID gets into our minds. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it's ever a bad idea to have information. So certainly having a test available and taking a test if you need it is, is really helpful. Um, we're starting to see an increase in interest in the, in the COVID tests. Um, the positive thing is we just got thousands of tests delivered to us by the state um, in, in the last couple of weeks. Um, so we're storing them here, and we're handing them out as quickly as we get requests mm-hmm. for them. Good. Um, and then we've also started getting some requests from some businesses and some of our human service agencies that they want to have some available, some of the schools that may not have as many as they did previously or um, some of them have expired have started reaching out to us to see if we could get them some test kits. So um, we can certainly uh, fill the, the need if there's a need out there. Um, and if people are interested in getting a test, just give us a call, um, stop by the office, and we could certainly take care of them. And if you happen to run a business or you have an agency that would be interested, um, give us a call in advance, and then we can get you some boxes of them and, and get them you know, in case form. Um, so that way you can hand them out to those that need them at your, at your site. You're probably aware of this, you and Sue, that the controversy about masks is is very deep. And people, you know, kids going to have to wear masks in school again. Do they really help? And I've seen, you know, some health experts, uh, alleged health experts who say, you know, the people who wear masks, they're still getting it. What's your take on there from the Uncas Health Center? Yeah, I did, so I honestly, I don't see a direction we're going back in where people are going to be required or expected to wear masks, you know, that can always change. And, you know, I always put the caveat on it that, you know, you never know what's going to come down the road. Um, But, you know, there is uh, evidence to show that certain barriers and things that we did during COVID um, certainly help uh, to minimize illness. And I think, you know, if you're wearing a mask, it certainly creates a barrier. Um, If you wear it the right way, that certainly helps as well. Um, so I, you know, I think it's an extra form of protection. Um, so for those that feel like they would like that extra piece of protection, I think it's a good idea. Um, and for those that aren't comfortable wearing it, what have you, um, then again, you know, we just do those reminders. If you're not feeling well, try to you know distance yourself from people. You know, I know people are sick of hearing distancing, social mm-hmm. distancing. Yes, we um, are. But again, it, it, but again, it's it's not just social distancing, but it's just being respectful of others. Sure. Um, and if you're not feeling well, you know, the the days of um, you know people uh, you know sneezing in public and and everybody going you know eh, you know. Well, now you see somebody sneezes in public and everybody looks around like, oh, my God, I can't believe that they just did that. I know. Let's so, run for the know, hills. Again, I know. It's washing yeah. your hands. It's, you know, it's coughing into your elbow. It's making sure you use a, a Kleenex. It's stuff we should it. have been doing um, anyway for anything. Yeah, <laughs> Always. It's, it's right? kind of, yeah. You know, you feel like you, you hate to tell people common sense things because most people are, are well aware of all these things. Um, but for those that may not be as aware, um, which in, in many cases is, you know, young children, um, kids that just aren't able to, um, you know, to use those precautions the right way. Um, maybe it just needs their caretaker to, to say, you know, hey, make sure you sneeze into a Kleenex and throw it out and remind her to wash your hands and wash your hands the right way. And um, it's all very helpful. And, 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 again, it starts those young children on the path towards, um, you know, using those, those measures going forward. And it's polite. It's respectful. Um, just like anything else, you're just teaching them another tool so that way they're they're respectful in public. So, Patrick, uh, we know every year, you know, we've had a lot of discussions, you and I, that um, the flu every year can be a different variant, um, and they try to come up with the right 
vaccine that's going to fit that. Sometimes it's not perfect and you get a mild case or sometimes it's it's better than others. But the best time to get it, and I think you alluded to it, is uh, maybe wait a little while because the uh, it'll wear off by the time the season really kicks in. Is that right? Well, so they, they tell people you should try to get your flu shot in September or October before the flu starts circulating widely. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the advice of the CDC. Um, in a typical season, you'd probably see flu shots or flu shots, flu cases start to ramp up. Um, usually in late October, um, typically peaks between December and February. Um, so although it's ideal to get your flu shot early in the season, um, it's better to get one late than not at all. Um, so if you choose to wait a little bit, that's fine. Um, uh, kids aged six months to five years um, should have a flu shot no later than December 31st in order to continue to attend daycare or pre-K. So I put that reminder mm-hmm. out every year. Um, very often we get those phone calls from parents sort of at the end of December saying, oh, my God, my kid's not going to be able to go back to school. Where do I get vaccination? Um, so we just want those folks to start preparing for that um, and try to get that appointment with your provider as early as possible. So if I got um, my flu having, shot, if uh, I got my flu shot now, mm-hmm. Patrick, how, how long before the um, vaccine weakens? So, again, it should get you through that peak of December through February. Mm-hmm. Um, as it gets towards the end, it may start to wane a bit. Um, but then, again, you, as you start getting through the peak, you're going to start seeing cases reduced, too. So then that potential risk is, is reduced as well. Um, but, I, you know, I think it's better to get it when it's available to you than to, to wait. Mm-hmm. Um, and, again, it's, it's not an issue to start getting it, you know, September into October. Um, so now's the time to start working on that. I do want to point out, if you're having trouble getting a flu shot for your child, uh, we're part of the Vaccine for Children program, um, so parents can call our office to get their child vaccinated by one of our nurses, um, and that vaccine's going to be available after October 1st. Great, the, great the, stuff. The last piece I need to let folks know, and this is a new one, um, so flu vaccination for people that have egg allergies, um, the uh, federal government voted, or the ACIP, which reviews the immunization protocol, um, voted that people with egg allergies may receive any flu vaccine, um, so that's egg-based or non-egg-based, that's otherwise appropriate for their age and health status. Um, so people say, well, why is it okay now when it wasn't before? Um, they've done testing to show that influenza vaccine doesn't contain enough egg protein to cause an allergic reaction, even for people with a severe reaction. Um, but again, this is a new change, so I always recommend to folks with any new change, Talk to your provider. Make sure there's a mm-hmm. comfort level between you and the provider. Uh, but this is a change now that would at least start the discussion with your provider um, and give you another option for getting the flu shot. It's very good because for years and years we always heard, oops, uh, the egg thing, we can't do it. But So that's, that's good to know. So uh, this is, you know, a sensitive question, but sure. we have porous borders in this country. Um, I think everybody agrees that more people are coming over the border, which maybe presents uh, a situation where there'll be different illnesses coming in that maybe we haven't had in years and years. Do you see anything in your research where there are, like, new cases of, uh, oh, let's just say some of the things that we had to deal with years ago that are coming back because of this? Yeah, so I think, you know, certainly we are more um, aware of the fact that, um, you know, we have a a global community, um, and that can be anybody who's either coming in from another country um, with legal status, with a legal status. We have travelers that do it for work constantly where they're going from country to country. 
Um, there are people that are exposed to things more frequently than ever. Um, that's why they have things like, you know, travel vaccines when you go abroad. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the opportunity for people, when we were dealing with COVID, um, you know, they would talk about uh, conferences that were being held within the state and that people don't realize how many other countries are represented at some of the meetings that are happening, even within our own state, on a daily basis. Um, but again, there's a lot of monitoring of travelers. Um, when folks come into the community, there's a lot of opportunity for us to connect with them. Um, so be it, you know, when their children are going into school, um, you know, when they have their first physician visit. Um, that's why we're so focused on getting people to connect, connected to care, um, regardless of status, um, because we want those folks to have access to health care so that way those things that people may be worried about um, aren't going to be as concerning because we want those folks to get that same level of care. Um, so we want them to be able to get vaccinated. We want them to be able to see a provider. Um, we want them to get that care so that way those things don't um, uh, you know, manifest themselves in a greater illness within our communities. Um, so I think we have to acknowledge that there's going to be people coming and going all the time within our state, within our country, um, and we just have to make sure that we provide them those same resources that we provide to our own folks. Um, interestingly enough, we know a lot of the folks within our own community um, are, are not getting vaccinated and not getting the health care that they, um, we would like them to get. Um, so we're spending a lot of time connecting folks to care, um, and, and we're doing that in a lot of different ways. So um, if we're at an event now, we're making sure that we ask those types of questions of people. Do you have a provider? Can we connect you to a provider? Um, you know, bringing folks out that can speak multiple languages so that way we're not um, uh, missing an opportunity to have a discussion with somebody. Um, we're doing the mobile health hubs now, which are a combination of community agencies that all work together um, to provide resources at one particular site. Um, and that's been invaluable because I can connect somebody or one of the outreach workers or nurses can connect somebody. Um, you know, if you have a question where you need heating assistance, TVCCA is there. If you need primary care generations or UCFS is there. If you need um, to know uh, uh, your health status, then Bacchus Hospital's there and they're doing testing and, you know, our folks are doing their thing. And, you know, there's just a lot of opportunity to connect together. Um, so where we used to have, you know, one of us would go out and do one event that was our event and nobody else was there, we're starting to really work together. Um, our mobile health team is out there constantly now. Um, and we're in our, our van and folks can see our schedule on our website and on our Facebook. And we want people to know we're out there and we're providing resources to them. Um, as an example, we're up at St. Vincent de Paul today from 1030 to 1. Um, we're at the Lisbon Senior Center tomorrow from 9 to 1030. Uh, we're at Three Rivers Community College at the Mobile Food Pantry on Wednesday the 13th, which is another example of, you know, the United Way's Mobile Food Pantry is there. And then we get to see those folks that are going for that particular purpose. Um, Basra Senior Center on Friday the 15th of September from 10 to 12. Franklin Senior Center from 11 to 1 on the 19th. Back to St. Vincent de Paul on the 20th from 10.30 to 1. And then we're doing the mobile food pantry and thanks to UCFS um, at Dodd Stadium from 1 to 2. And then mobile food pantry at Griswold High School Thursday the 21st from 4 to 5.30. And then to conclude our great month of September in our field work, um, we're at the Sprague Senior Center on Thursday, the 28th of September from 1130 to 1. And like I said, that schedule's all right on our website, and you can call us with questions. Um, So we are out there, and we're looking to um, interact with the public, and we have our uh, 
our self-test kits out there with us and other opportunities, right. blood pressure screening. Right. So um, you, you're going to have a hard time avoiding us for the rest of the month, <laughs> I think. <laughs> so, Patrick, I can go to one of these sessions, hey, check my blood pressure, do this, do then you, uh, you got it all there with you. And we team up with these other agencies so that way, you know, we're not duplicating services. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, they're always willing to share their staff with us. And um, it's amazing how, you know, if we don't have somebody who is, say, bilingual in Spanish and one of the other agencies has somebody, they will come over and interpret for us. If somebody has a medical questions or, or a health care question and they go to one of the other agencies that doesn't have that aspect, then we'll walk over and talk to the person. Uh, we've been to back-to-school events recently. Um, so there's a lot of questions about immunizations and vaccinations and um, illness, et cetera. Um, it's just a great opportunity to get a feel for the community, what their concerns are, what things we can offer going forward, um, and then we can promote our programs. So, you know, be it our, our Tai Chi program for folks that are um, uh, seniors, be it tobacco cessation program that's free. Uh, we provide uh, cessation materials together for, for people for free. Um, you know, we have a lot of programs now that we want to get out there. Um, we're going to be starting a breast and cervical uh, early detection prevention program. Um, we just had a meeting about that today, so that's going to be starting for us. Um, so there's a lot of program activities, um, and these grants, thank goodness, seem to no longer be one year, but they're now three years or five years. Um, so it's a, it allows us an opportunity to sort of build that rapport with the community. And then hopefully people feel comfortable enough to reach out to us and we can provide them those services. So, Patrick, um, not everybody, you know, a lot of people and most people are doing the computer thing. But for somebody just starving for this information that you're giving us, what's the best other way if you're not getting it on the computer? Yeah, so there's two great ways. One is 211 at the state is, um, you know, it's run by United Way through a contract with the state. And if you call 211, a lot of these resources are available to you just by asking. Um, so if you're looking for a cooling center, if you want to know where you can get a vaccination, um, call 211, uh, heating assistance, things like that. That's sort of your one-stop shop, and then they can connect you for care. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're on the verge of homelessness, call 211, and they can connect you to services before it occurs. Um, you know, it's just that's the part of the the piece that needs to be done for provided to people is they don't have the time to make 15 phone calls. So when they know they can go to one place and then they can go from there. Um, the other option is to call our office, but our goal is always not to say, okay, well, we can't do that for you, or we can do this, but we can't do that. Then we refer them to somebody else. We usually will take their number down and say, we're going to make a call on your behalf and we'll get back to you. Um, you know, it comes down to, to uh, the fact that people either don't have time you know, they're trying to call us during the workday, and they're trying to call us on their lunch hour. Um, maybe they don't have minutes on their phone and can't afford to have additional minutes on their phone. So that one phone call may be the only one they can afford right now. Um, it's just amazing the need that's in our community and, and very often goes unseen. Um, you know, I usually refer to, there, there was an incident we had a few years ago where um, we had a woman who had been a caretaker for several people in her family and we had a call that there was uh, trash building up in front of their house. And what come to find out, the woman had fallen and broken her hip. And when we went back out to look, her husband was there and he wasn't mobile. Um, he had some health concerns and he wasn't able to do a lot of the things, the shopping, the mm-hmm. taking the garbage out, even going to the mailbox to get the mail. 
Um, so he wasn't able to do those things. So that's somebody who could really use our support as a community and all the services that we have to offer. Um, and come to find out, she also had a father she was caring for who was in his 90s, wow. and he lived at a different property, and he needed services, and she was the caretaker for all these folks. So they lost that connection when she ended up having to go to the rehab facility. And those are the people where um, if a neighbor needs help and they know somebody's in a tough spot, you know, make that call to us, and then we can start making those referrals. Or, um, you know, again, the caseworkers at TVCCA, um, your human service agency, so, you know, be it Norwich or one of the other towns, um, social services and human services in those towns are there for that purpose. And that's what we're trying to prevent. And, you know, folks will say, well, why do you work so hard to get this person who's by themselves connected to care? And the reality is if we can get them something that's minor, um, so a vaccination, um, you know, heating assistance, maybe they don't have food and they could apply for Meals on Wheels, if we can get them that, then that keeps them out of the emergency room and the cost and expense to both, you know, you and I, to that individual, to the insurance company, and then the rates go up. And so it really does spiral out of control for folks really quickly. Um, and, it, and it snowballs. So, you know, their one problem can lead to many other problems. And then it's costly for everyone. So, again, we try to make those initial connections, provide them those basic resources. So that way they don't need all those other things that they may need if suddenly things spiral out of control. Well, Patrick, uh, I've told you this a lot of times, but we appreciate everything you do and the sincerity of trying to help people. Uh, Patrick is the Director of Health, and uh, they're 401 West Thames Street uh, in Norwich, the Uncas Health District. So keep in touch. Anything uh, you need promoted, we're always here for you. We know you do. We really appreciate that. You know, you, you're an invaluable resource for us to get our information out there, and we can't thank you enough. All right, my friend, and the number is 823-1189, correct? Correct. That's it, 860-823-1189. All right, be well and uh, keep up the great work. Thanks, Patrick. All right, you're welcome. Have a great day. You too. Thanks. Patrick McCormick, Director of Health, Connecticut State Department of Public Health, and the Uncas Health Districts. They are close by, 401 West Thames Street, Suite 106.